Hello and welcome to the Transfer News Central podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Pentley. And once again, we're doing another episode uh, where I answer your questions, thoughts, queries, annoyances, uh, and I discuss some of mine uh, that I've that I've picked up in the past few days. The transfer window's just finished. We've had a new round of Premier League matches and European matches. And naturally, lots of people wonder where their club's going to go, how certain transfers are going to do, uh, what do their club need to do to progress further in the summer. So there's lots to discuss. Andre, co-host, my usual co-host, sorry, isn't here uh, this week again. Still adjusting to moving house. It technically is still Chinese New Year holiday. So we will give him the benefit of the doubt. Worth mentioning, actually, uh, of course, we are based here in China. And I'm sure you're all aware of the outbreak of the coronavirus that has, I'm, I've been told, hit the mainstream news in, in the West like like crazy um, because I've, I've received two or three messages asking for my own well-being if I'm okay, which is flat, which is lovely to hear and lovely to see messages of people that do care. But it also suggests, you know, that this is a really big thing all over the world and it has received massive media attention and all I can say is that from my experience the people in China the people in Shenzhen sorry are doing a really good job of containing the virus making sure that we're all monitored our, the health of us are all is monitored so that they can get keep on top of this virus as much as they can and you know you see reports of um, hospitals have been built within a week which is incredible really it's, it's not a surprise when you've been over here just how quickly uh, things are built up from scratch it's incredible so it doesn't surprise me that they managed to build a hospital in the week because this is such an industrious hard-working nation that will perform miracles for the cause of the collective and um, you know they're, they're, I'm sure they are very much getting on top of on top of this big virus as much as they can do they're trying their very best to deal with it but anyway I think that needed a little bit saying but we'll move on to the football now away from virus talk so yeah it's been um, end of transfer window just had a round of Premier League fixtures across Europe we've seen some new signings who are doing quite well uh, Erling Haaland for Dortmund has been immense but uh, I got two questions actually from people on social media. I got one on Arteta and one on Bruno Fernandes, but I just want to see who asked me them. There was quite, well, there were quite a few actually on Manchester United. Uh, Edward Sumar in particular has asked me what I thought about Bruno Fernandes as first outing for United. I thought he did okay. I mean, the stats suggest he did very well. He had the most shots. He dominated lots of passes, lots of accurate passes, always looking to try and make something happen, even if he wasn't successful. All I'd say really in Bruno Fernandes's defence is that the team looked more concerned about structure and shape than they did about moving or, or breaking position to get to try to try and create an overload or score a goal. And and obviously that's very difficult. I mean, you could have Kevin De Bruyne playing in that Manchester United team, but if no one moves and he's playing with you know ten other mannequins, then it's very difficult to uh, to see the real brilliance of Kevin De Bruyne. So I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is a better player than Bruno Fernandez, but Bruno Fernandez was primarily brought in to help United combat a deep block. Wolves had quite a deep block. Bruno Fernandez was always a winner receiver of the ball wanted to, cre- to create things but too often just people that in front of him were making safe runs or didn't want to break break through or bust a gut to get into the box Anthony Martial coming short too often losing the ball actually quite a lot and not making enough runs in behind Daniel James again not really making those runs willing to take the ball but not really that willing to run on uh, Juan Mata happy and content I guess it, it sitting a bit deeper because again he's he's a player who wants to create so there were so it, it's easy you know for Fernandez to you know 
know, people to criticise Fernandez. Oh, he didn't create anything. He didn't necessarily light up the world, even though it is only he was only in Manchester a few days. Only been he's barely been at the club. So you know, considering that, even it was a very promising debut. The thing is, I just don't see him excelling incredibly unless there's a mentality change with some of those players because you can't bring a creative player in if none of the other players want to make those runs. I mean, Mason Greenwood arguably is a player who can do that because he we've seen in a, we've seen this season that he does like he has the eye of a striker a little bit so he does make those runs and Odia Nigalo actually um late deadline day signing is another player who does know how to score goals has experience in the Premier League was doing quite well for Shanghai actually in the Chinese Super League so maybe they can help Bruno Fernandes out a little bit obviously Marcus Rashford as well his absence at the moment has been felt massively by United but you know I think you know there needs to be a bit more a bit more freedom within the attacking play at the same time I think Solskjaer is probably worried about shipping too many goals you know because sometimes the defence has looked a bit iffy suspect so he's probably trying to build a solid structure and to be fair I thought you know against Wolves the Wolves didn't really create much to be fair uh, United weren't necessarily under the cosh too much they defended really well wan was very good midfield was solid but again they didn't really look like scoring much themselves so it was a catch-22 really but yeah no I guess um, I don't know I, I, I guess very. I think it's a definitely a promising signing better than what they've got but United as a team need to improve or just adapt to him a little bit more to make the maximum use of, of Bruno Fernandes another the question actually from Edward Sumer at toward underscore it might be underscore I don't know toward underscore Som he also says why can City not step up when facing the bigger opposition it's an interesting point because yeah I mean they've lost to Man United they lost recently 1-0 at the Etihad but then they beat them 3-1 at Old Trafford in the um, EFL Cup Carabao Cup they lost in the league 2-1 to Man, uh, to Man United sorry they lost to Tottenham this weekend that's why the questions come into the come in and they obviously got beaten by Liverpool look I mean if you watch the game against Tottenham it was a fluke really that Tottenham managed to win yes they fought hard yes some people called it a Mourinho masterclass there was a lot of fight heart and spirit out there lots of grit which I suppose you associate with Mourinho teams but we're being honest Man City could have been 3-0 up you know before they went down to 10 men and it was after 10 men when Tottenham scored their two goals with the only two shots they had on target you know Aguero missed a good chance had a, one of his one-on-ones brilliantly saved onto the post by Lloris then they obviously and they they obviously missed the first half penalty maybe should have had another penalty after Sterling was brought down then there was a strange incident where Lloris made a mess of a he got into a tangle Aguero chipped him cleared off the line Sterling has a chance to smash it into an empty net or he passes it across to Gundogan who's got a better opportunity I say empty net there's two Spurs men on the line um, so an exposed net is probably a better phrase but Sterling hits the pass too hard and Gundogan can't turn it in so they've had the chances to be 3-0 up really and then as soon as Zinchenko gets sent off two silly bookings the game turns on its head a fantastic goal by Bergvine and then a really good goal by Son you know I, I, it's hard I mean it's symptomatic of City season really they've had been brilliant again they've had a really good season you can't say they've not had a good season they've played some brilliant football uh, got some good results they've had injuries and largely they've managed to contain them to an extent but the only issue is that the barometer they set for the past two years is still the barometer Liverpool are still hitting that and City aren't I mean, if, if, if we hadn't set that new barometer now 
that we'd still be in a title race. You know, we'd still Liverpool are phenomenal at the moment. It's just like when United finished second under Jose Mourinho to that Man City team with 100 points. You know, in any other season, they'd have still been in that title race. But because City set the standard, set the bar of perfection, it, it looked like United had had a terrible season. They didn't really. I don't think City's having a terrible season now. They could still win the both cups. They could still win the FA Cup, Carabao Cup, even the Champions League, maybe. But, you know, as, as far as the league's gone, they've not had an absolutely shocking season. They've just had a season that's not been at the same standard as they have been for the past two seasons. And Liverpool have hit that standard. And because Liverpool have hit that standard, you know, they, they've left lots of teams trailing in their wake. I do think, though, that City, obviously, they've set that standard, so they have to now get there. I think to answer your question, Edward, it's not just a, step, a, a case of stepping up against the bigger teams. It's just in general getting to that high barometer again, the barometer of perfection. And to do that, I think they need to revamp the squad. It's had a life cycle now, I would say. This is the third year of its life cycle, really. They had a really big summer after Pep's first season where they cleared out some deadwood, they brought in some big players. And I think they need to do a bit of that again. I think they need probably two centre-backs, need a left-back. They probably need a winger if Sané goes. And I think Phil Foden needs to get involved a bit more. Phil Foden is not necessarily the answer to all their problems, but one thing that he does have is a youthful exuberance and innocence, just something that as a fan or even as a player you can all get behind and go, yeah... You know, we we love to see a player running his feet into the ground, chasing down every ball, playing with an excitement and a smile on his face. And I think I think that could just get the extra five ten percent out of some of his teammates. That maybe when this maybe when they're lacking a bit in enthusiasm, oh, we've done this, you know, two seasons in a row, we've won the league twice. Maybe our standards have slipped a little bit compared to because we've put so much into those two seasons, hundred and ninety eight points over two campaigns. So players like Phil Foden will help get that fight and that desire and and enthusiasm back, I guess, because they'll see him buzzing around like a crazy person in the nicest possible sense and that'll get everyone else G'd up or it'll help get people G'd up because you need you need new blood and Phil Foden can be that alongside some new transfers of course but I but I think they're in for a big summer and uh, on the clear out with Sané might go David Silver is going and Otamendi will probably go Mendy might go Stones could go but I have a feeling they may want to hold on to him for the homegrown factor maybe and the fact that he understands Pep's style so any new centre-backs coming in can you know maybe learn a little bit more from learn a little bit off John Stones I know Laporte also knows it but Stones has been there since the beginning so you know he has that experience of the Guardiola and to be fair as a ball player out from the back he's actually very good it's defensively where he's often criticised or or maybe has let the team down in the past because on the ball he's very good and you know Guardiola admits that himself so yeah maybe sell him maybe don't I guess it depends if he wants to bring Eric Garcia through uh, if he wants to bring Eric Garcia through he would I think class as homegrown so then Stones may be sold but again it's all this but and maybe it's that one. Anyway, another question from Math Denmark Flag Square Brackets Avi underscore Make. I think it's I'm going with underscore. Going with underscore. God, I'm I'm not even that old, but I feel like I'm talking like a 70 year old. And he's at King Campbell, so I think that's for Soul Campbell because the questions Arsenal related. And it's where do you think Arsenal will end the season? And do you think they you could they can win the Europa League? Well, Math at King Campbell 31. King underscore Campbell 31. They played my team this weekend. I think. My team Burnley were actually better. I think they bullied them at times, but there were signs that Arsenal did have something in their locker, or at least there were signs for that the, the, there's something to build for for the future. I mean, the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I thought they were very good. Passed the ball around confidently. Uh, Urza was getting a lot of the ball, looking to try and make things happen. They had a few chances in the first half. Aubameyang in particular, Mr. Sitter, when he ran through and dragged his shot wide, brilliant pass from Shaka. Um, but then I felt like Burnley got a bit more confident. They felt like they could assert more pressure on them. 
them. They started to up the tempo, up the intensity, and Arsenal struggled really because they struggled in playing the ball out at speed. It became slower. It became more play. The, the play was more in defence than it was in the midfield and attacking areas. So they struggled as the game wore on. Um, I think one difference between this team and Unai Emery's team is that this team looks like it's built on more solid defensive foundations. I think with Emery, you look like they could concede pretty much every opportunity, but under Arteta, there seems to be a bit more of a, an emphasis on shape. Um, you know, I thought Mustafi had quite a good game yesterday, very solid. I say yesterday because this is the day after uh, the match, so I'll be recording this on Monday. But I thought he was... Uh, solid. David Luiz I think has got better since Emery's gone. Again more solid just seems to be a bit more aware of what they're doing now. There seems to be a bit more of a as I say a, a consistent shape I mean with Emery it was sometimes three at the back, five at the back or four at the back and it, often it was car crash sometimes defensively but now with Arteta it's usually 4-2-3-1 and the defence are expected to defend obviously and they often seem to hold the position quite well. They were, you know, I think Burnley's best chances came from crosses and that's not necessarily Arsenal's fault too much. Burnley are very good on crosses so, you know, they struggle with a physical battle against Burnley. But I guess most teams would, particularly Man United, actually, um, not too long ago. They lost 2-0 at Old Trafford to Burnley. So I don't think a draw is necessarily a bad result for Arsenal. I think the, wor- the, the more concerning statistic is they've won one game since uh, Arteta's took charge. He's been in charge since the 26th December Boxing Day. But then flip that on its head and he's only lost one game. So there's a lot of draws in there. And I think with draws, you've got... the ca- at, this, at this stage of the season, it doesn't really matter because you, you asked me... I've been asked where Arsenal finish this season I don't think I think they'd be lucky to finish top 7 I don't see it myself personally Wolves are playing really well Sheffield United are still going strong and they're they're doing fantastically well then you've got the rest of the top 6 and Leicester so I think Arsenal will be lucky they'd be incredibly lucky if they got 7th I think more likely they'll end up in the top 10 somewhere because I think they will start to turn some of these draws into wins just need a bit a bit more luck on their side I guess but um, yeah I mean I don't know I, uh, again I don't think draws are too bad at this point it's a lot better stopping the rot of conceding again and again and looking like you're going to lose more games than you're going to win at least now Arsenal are always in the game and they look like they're trying to as I say Bills it's a bit slow at times but Guardiola City was quite slow at times when he first came and then look what happened after a good season of investment the challenge for Arteta is whether he gets the same investment opportunity I don't think he will do because the Arsenal board and the City board are completely they're not comparable Man City's board they planned for Guardiola's arrival when he arrived they said we're gonna we will get your targets and we'll do it cost effectively I mean you know the record transfer is 62 million pounds it's not like they've gone like Man United and spent crazy fees on crazy inflated fees on players they've been clever efficient in the transfer market they've been outstanding for Guardiola really the backbone of his successes he can put to uh, the Man City transfer committee they've been excellent you're not going to get that with Arsenal I don't think because they've spent big money on Nicola Pepe and I think he's I think they're still paying off installments of that of that fee and they'll still be doing it next season so that's a that's going to eat away at the budget Saliba the young player who's coming in from I think St Etienne he's um, a very he, I mean he was a very promising centre back I'd be surprised if he didn't go straight into the team next season good on the ball fast and a good defender seems to like to stay on his feet which is something that I mean, Mustafi could certainly look at and some of the other players at Arsenal look at, at the moment and they pay 20, about 26 million I think for him so already that's that's taken quite a bit of the budget an instalment uh, fee on Pepe and, and the saliva deal then there's the Ozil situation I mean Ozil was apparently linked with a Qatari club recently and uh, and they were apparently willing to pay his wages but then it fell through at the last minute I'm not 
convinced entirely that's going to happen. You can, the problem with Ozil is you can't really exile him and say you're not going to play again because if no club comes in, which is a possibility because 350000 is a lot of money, if no club comes in for him, you've got a £350,000 player, £350,000 a week player just in the, in the reserves, eating away at all the transfer budget and resources and finances. And that's that's just a really, really annoying situation to be in. I'm sure Arteta wants to use the rest of this season and, and to try and solve the Ozil enigma because he is a player who has in the past been absolutely mesmerising and a genius on the ball but it's been such a long time since we've seen that I think many people are now thinking you know is it just gone is the Ozil magic gone I'm not convinced to be honest Arteta young progressive manager worked with Guardiola for a number of years implemented his style already he's a hard he seems like a hard faced manager I think he'll, he will be brutal if he needs to be I think he's, he's trying his best to make this work for Ozil because he knows there is the potential there to have a top top player on his hands but it might be living off past glories and it's really hard to tell at the moment at the, well at, no it's not at the moment it looks like he is but Arteta's going to have to try and make it work because I still have a feeling that he'll be on the books at Arsenal next year and you don't want that eating away all your resources and just being sat in the shadows doing nothing because that, that's just not that's just not on at all but yeah no just 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 in general their budget I think will be defined by sales so I expect Aubameyang to probably go last year of his contract maybe get 50 or 60 million probably 60 but he is he's in his 30s and it's he's got 12 months on his contract so 60 would be a very good fee I think 50 maybe more realistic or somewhere in between and then if you sell him you don't sell Lacazette I don't think because you need someone who can carry the can for goals Martial is doing doing well but he doesn't have the experience and know-how of scoring in the biggest European leagues just yet then they've got a plethora of centre-backs on the hand you've got Socrates Holding Chambers Mari's just come in David Luiz so maybe Mustafi's time is up I don't know he's been you know he's actually played quite well over the past two games but over his Arsenal career he's been a massive flop I would have said I don't mean to be too harsh but his career at Arsenal will be defined by the silly mistakes and things that he's done they've cost Arsenal in really big games so I think he might be on for the chopping block when Saliba comes back and obviously if they sell Aubameyang I think that opens up maybe a left wing I, I, I personally think Zaha would be a good shout for Arsenal because of his experience in the league because of his experience in the league not only his experience but his obvious qualities he's, he's been fantastic for Crystal Palace for a long time he's carried the attacking cam for them and I'm sure Pepe Zaha uh, sorry Pepe could learn a lot from Zaha uh, who is not just like a really skillful winger but also very good physically and yeah I, I think he's destined to leave Palace sooner rather than later that might be a nice little way uh, to go to Arsenal that could be a really good move for him and he could also stay in London as well so he wouldn't have to move house but I like that idea I know other Arsenal fans aren't too keen another one who wouldn't be too bad is uh, Buendia from Norwich very good on the ball seen this on my Twitter feed as well someone recommended it to me and it is very true brilliant silky footballer always looking to create chances very nimble so yeah I think that would be an, that could be an under the radar shout for Arsenal but they're not going to have a massive budget so that's going to be Arteta's biggest challenge and I don't think they'll sign a centre back another one because they're getting one they're already a acquiring one I'm not sure what people will think of that but I think it's the reality is that the, the saliva will be that new centre-back that, that's going to be on the Arsenal books even though he's already coming so I'm not sure I just don't see them getting another one I think it'll be saliva and maybe David Luiz on, alongside uh, experience and youth it could be a good partnership actually but we'll have to wait and see there are a few other questions actually that I was asked a few people on Facebook were asking some questions but they seem to be in relation actually to the ones that I'd put up 
uh, answering my questions actually uh, which is nice uh, so I asked do Man City need an overhaul I've sort of talked about that how far is Arteta from making a top four team again I talked about the need for transfers I- I'd say he needs time and whether he gets money is another question he needs time and luck I think a little bit of luck and he needs to make the most out of the finances that he gets they can't afford too many sidesteps with transfers they need to be shrewd uh, signings they need to work so I do think he's more progressive than Emery I think they've got more of a chance of top four but definitely not this season but certainly next season I'd throw them back in the mix uh, we've done Fernandez at Old Trafford uh, Grealish or Madison lots of you on Facebook are saying Grealish I actually think you know two great players uh, imagine if they played together that would be it could be a possibility for England I doubt it but you know two very good players uh, I think with Grealish you get a bit more work rate a bit more hum- humbleness humility I guess and a bit more in terms of physicality I think both of them are phenomenal players but Grealish is, is harder to get the ball off he puts up a bit more of a fight I would say on the times that I've seen them both play but again both phenomenal players I, I feel bad saying Grealish is better because Madison's season has been outstanding really good he's risen to the occasion and he's helped Leicester go from a top half team to a top four team so uh, I don't know for England for example for England I think Grealish may be a better option because Gareth Southgate wants people to press and press hard he doesn't like to think about individuals I don't think so much in terms of he, he's all about the team emphasis on the team and the collective and I think Grealish Grealish works harder he's going to run down more lanes he's going to chase down more balls and he's going to uh, put a fight in there not saying that Madison wouldn't do that particularly for England but I think Grealish has already sh- I think he's shown it a little bit more week in week out uh, in the Premier League and have we got any other questions we do I think we have some actually on we have some well they were just general observations actually again I've answered does Ozil Magic still exist yes I've answered should Solskjaer leave didn't answer that I can answer it pretty quickly I think I don't think he should leave because he's at the club that he adores and loves but I do think he's been scapegoated massively by the Glazers and I do think that the longer they can keep Solskjaer the more the things they can get away with if they had Pochettino in charge there's no hiding place for any of them they can't pin it on the manager because no one's you know people are going to wise up with Mourinho you could say well we don't like his football his style of football so they could pan that Pochettino they do like his style of football they love the at Tottenham they love the manager himself he's a lovely he's a likeable guy and he's an, and he is one of the elite managers so as soon as they appoint Poch if they do appoint Poch suddenly the excuses go out of the window and they really need to shape up the longer they have Solskjaer the slower they can be in trying to plan and I don't I do think they're trying to build a plan I do think they're trying to get somewhere at some point but unlike other clubs who are doing three to four year plans theirs looks like eight to nine years they're miles off at the moment I do think Fernandes is a is a step in the right direction just like Wan-Bissaka and Harry Maguire were but again they need another they need another four or five and that's going to take another year or two and then you're going to have to develop them and give them a season to all adapt and so it's a long process ahead and if Solskjaer's happy to keep going and to be a sympathiser for his bosses then you know he's, going to, he's making life really hard for them to sack him because he's not he knows I think that he doesn't maybe have the managerial CV to back up his current position so he has to I think he feels like he has to be somewhat respectful to the people who put him in, in, in there in the first place even if he is just a puppet at the moment and that, that, that's all we can say really a bit of a puppet other two questions can Leipzig or Martin Gladbach upset the order in Germany hopefully lots of good players at both teams actually who've done really well on smaller budgets but they played actually at the weekend 2-2 uh, which is a result that probably helped Bayern Munich more than it helped those two Martin Gladbach were 2-0 up uh, some horrible Leipzig defending actually and Upamecano has been a big target for several European clubs I actually think he's an excellent defender but he didn't have his best day best evening in that one but 
you know, they fought back well, did Leipzig, got it to 2-2, two, two. brilliant goal at the end, actually, to equalise the game from, I forget I forgot who, who scored it now, but it was a fantastic strike, um, right into the top corner. But uh, yeah, devastated for Modric Gladbach, but both those two really good seasons, there's I think it's three or four points separating Bayern, Leipzig, Modric Gladbach and Dortmund, which is incredible. So much competition in Germany right now. But yeah, I guess it's, I don't know. I think uh, at the start of the season, I kind of thought they might do with the collapse of Bayern with Niko Kovac not doing particularly well. Uh, Niko Kovac is now gone. It's now a different, you know, it, it, it's very different now at the moment. It's sort of gone back to the ways of Bayern of old. And they play with a bit of a swagger. Lewandowski's still in the form of his life, still have player for player, even though they've lost Robin and Ribery. I think that was, that was part of the reason why they struggled initially, losing two talismanic figures like that was always bound to have an effect but now as I say under under uh, Hans Flick I think Hans Dieter Flick sorry under Hans Dieter Flick I think they have a bit more of the old Bayern swagger back than they did under Kovac who tried to get rid of Muller or tried to uh, sideline Muller but Muller now well back into the swing of things experienced head and Bayern need experience Bayern have always had experienced heads to guide them to silverware and they were a bit short on that earlier in the season bringing Muller back bringing back with Flick bringing back the whole we don't need to play this overly passing style we can just play how we know we can play bringing that back's really helped so I think it's Bayern's to lose again at the moment and it's a shame but it's all well, the positive is still four teams realistically in with a shout and yeah I guess we can see, we'll can we have to wait and see what happens regardless brilliant effort by Leipzig and Mönchengladbach so far and it and it's really been an exciting season in the Bundesliga this year uh, this this campaign and the last one yeah will Eriksen help into the, to the title well Inter are three points off Juventus with a better goal difference so essentially in the next fixture I think they play at the event uh, in Juventus the next time they play in the league but if Inter could do the unthinkable and win in Turin then they would go top of the league provided that the results stay the same that both teams keep winning should I say so again it's still very much in their hands at the moment they're doing a phenomenal job we saw Ashley Young and Victor Moses play recently in their 2-0 win over Udinese Ericsson as well and I think what what Cont- Ericsson came off after 58 minutes I think against Udinese but what he does uh, he offers a creative to a team which is full of runners I mean they'll run the feet to the ground but that's a Conte team all over full of runners they're going to outrun the opposition they're going to out tackle the opposition they're going to suffocate the opposition and they're going to take advantage of that that's how Conte's teams operate uh, so I think Ericsson's going to have to improve his running stats his tackling his, men- his intensity because I don't care who you are Conte doesn't get, let you have a free pass he wants every person in his team to run the miles to put the yards in so I, I expect him to do I expect him to drill that into Christian Ericsson the same way he has drilled it into all the players that play for Inter Milan. But he will expect a certain creative spark, I think, from this £17 million man. And I say that, and that's an absolute bargain. It really is. I'm just saying that again, it's a crazy. I still think I'd put Juventus as slight favourites because Inter have made significant strides this year. Um, in going from third to second it doesn't sound like a lot but it is you know this for for a long time it was Napoli and, and Juventus in the top two and, Ju- and Juventus were significantly ahead of, of everyone and it, Juventus were miles ahead of Inter last year and Inter have really closed that gap so I'll be interested to see how that goes I'd probably put Juventus as slight favourites because Ronaldo maybe Dybala Higuain I just think they've got slightly more and Maurizio Sarri of course is a very good manager although maybe some people aren't quite as happy with his uh, style as maybe we thought obviously with Max Allegri it was a little bit more functional got the job done under Sarri it seems a bit more pedantic maybe some would say but again that's part and parcel of trying to build um, trying to mould an attacking philosophy uh, sorry a, a philosophy like Sarri's or Guardiola's onto a team it takes time to 
adapt regardless of what team it is especially when Allegri was more pragmatic so it's good it's a big transition they're still top however and just a word on Haaland as well phenomenal start to his Dortmund career banging in the goals and I think he's only started once he's got something like six goals in 130 minutes I heard somewhere don't actually have that written down but it's something like that phenomenal goal scoring talent and he's just going to get better and again what a club to go to Borussia Dortmund like Jadon Sancho he's not even 20 yet and he's already a phenomenon on the European stage they just churn out good players develop develop them and develop them and develop them then sell them on for miles more money such a well-run club and I personally believe there's so many young English players who could benefit from going somewhere like Borussia Dortmund to take their game to the next level because so many people not just young English people but so many young players go to these big clubs and never get a game Borussia Dortmund are an elite club and they are a club that gives chances to young players so you just need to look at the track record it's phenomenal uh, Tottenham I would say actually not too probably the closest thing England has to it Pochettino was phenomenal at nurturing through those youngsters wonder if Marie would be interested to see if Mourinho does the same thing anyway that's uh, your question thoughts and just general theories and wonders answered by me I guess next week it'll be James maybe James had a co-host because I'm on holiday again next week this you know this podcast host needs plenty of holiday plenty of rest especially with everything going on here it's nice to get away it's nice to enjoy and explore Asia really while I'm still over here but uh, till then